TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of the <laughs> Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 476, and I'm Libya, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom. I'm professional professor of communication and media at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Wadenopolis. All right, let's get started off with the news. Thanks, guys, for showing up. First up, we have that Jessica Chastain will replace Michelle Williams in Scenes from a Marriage at HBO. Um... Is that good? I suppose. Sure. Uh, Ava DuVernay is to produce a Native American drama for NBC. It's super vague. Uh, I don't know what that means either. Um, Blackish is to get six episodes on back order at uh, ABC. Uh, Quibi is officially canceled. For the five people who were using Quibi, you have, <laughs> you have until December 1st. And then the service will no longer exist. And Does the that big mean we should set up for a trial. <laughs> <laughs> well, what sucks is they're, they're, we're, they basically renewed every show that aired so far. So all these showrunners who thought they were coming back with shows now have to scramble to try to find a new outlet. Some of well, them, the... you know, some of them were trash and not worth it. And they basically were just movies that they split up into parts. Mm. So I don't even know if anybody actually has a legit TV show uh, to pitch. So the uh, the one that's that probably is mo- most likely to find a new home is the most dangerous game with Liam Hemsworth. That's I think I tried. That's the one I tried to watch, but I couldn't get my one. It wouldn't play on my TV, and I try and I was like, fine, I'll watch on my tablet. It wouldn't play on my tablet. It would only play on my phone. And then it only wanted to play long ways on my phone. It wouldn't turn silent. And I was like, screw this. I was like, I like I like Hemsworth, but not enough to fight my technology to try to watch him. And I had, I think I had a 60-day or uh, trial, and then I never tried again. I was like, whatever, man. Um, Rosario Dawson joins Dope Sick at Hulu, which is concerning because I thought there was word that Rosario, da- that there was going to be a... Uh, God, what is her character's name? She's playing a Star Wars Jedi character in The Mandalorian. Oh, Ahsoka? Ahsoka. I heard there's supposed to be an Ahsoka standalone series, but she's doing this, so that means they haven't... At least there's no conflict. I'm, I just want her to do that series, that's all. Staged, that was uh, David Tennant and Mar- uh, Michael Sheehan's show has been renewed at BBC, though I'm not quite sure what that will look like. Um, but it's been renewed. And Archer has been renewed for season 12 at FXX. Uh, Tom, do you have some news? Yes, Apple TV Plus, Garjo is... Sorry, Scarlett Johansson. I was like, Garjo, what? Okay, go ahead. Scarjo, that's what... No. The hit people call her. She's set to star in and produce a sci-fi drama co-produced with A24. Lee Min-ho, has, a Korean uh, super, superstar, has been cast in their Pachinko series. 
Disney Plus has ordered the Willow continuation to series. Oh, I don't know about that. Warwick Davis. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal will star in The Sun, a limited series produced by Denis Villeneuve, Jonathan Nolan, and Lisa Joy. HBO Max has hit 38 million subscribers in quarter three. In the why, oh why, dear Lord, why department, Jared Leto is reprising his role uh, as the Oh, I saw that. Oh, and, I, and that was Snyder's, exactly my reaction. For Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. Hulu More has, reasons not to see the cut. Okay, continue. Yeah. We can just, like, mute his parts or whatever. Hulu has acquired the romantic comedy Happiest Season, which was supposed to go to theaters and is no longer. Uh, Netflix has canceled away. They must have watched it. Um, <laughs> Fincher wow. has said that there is not going to be a Mindhunter season three. Kristen Bell is going to star in the Woman in the House limited series, and Dominic West has been cast to play Prince Charles in the Crown seasons five and six. Uh, Regina Hall has inked a first look deal with Showtime. TBS has picked up Miracle Workers for season three. Channing Dungey, who just left Netflix is going to succeed Peter Roth as chair of the Warner Brothers television group, Go Girl. And MGM TV has attached Tim Burton to executive produce and direct an Adams Family reboot television series with uh, Alfred Gow and Miles Millar from Smallville to showrun. And it's, it would be his first TV series. Hmm. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the shows. First up, we're going to talk Lovecraft Country, and this is the season finale. Probably not series finale, because uh, for those of you who don't know, heard that this is the conclusion of this story, and if it gets picked up for next season, which it probably will be, it will be an anthology. So that means next season will be a completely different story, completely different characters, maybe some of the same actors, but um, it is it is now set to be an anthology. So... Knowing so gonna, it's, it's going to be like Black American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah. Afrocentric. So the <laughs> question is, now that we've seen the whole season, what did you guys think? Did it live up to it? Were you happy? Did it stick the landing? Um, I thought it stuck the landing. I was I was pleased with it. I thought it, the, the storyline reached its natural conclusion. Um, I liked basically how they tied up everything and and answered certain questions it's like it got toward the end and i was sitting there going but 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 and then they answered you know those things like um you know what happened to d after we saw her in the car um and i thought that that was that was extremely satisfying actually but uh i you know i i really liked what they did with this series i'm curious to see how that plays into a second one, simply because they, the whole point behind the series was taking all the different, you know, facets of the, the horror genre and, and doing their versions of it. And so now that they've hit all those notes, um, what else are they going to do in, in season two? You know, what, what things have they left out that they, they want to do their own versions of? So I'm, I'm kind of curious because they were so, they they covered a lot of ground in in this particular season, and they do did it really well. Um, but I'm I'm just kind of wondering you know, what they're going to do next time. But as far as the characters went, I thought I I loved where where everybody went. Um, the sense of sacrifice for a greater good. 
uh, and and just this, it had an incredibly hopeful ending too. It's uh, be, I mean, not. I was about to not, say. I was like, well, not, well, not if you were Christine, um, but uh, no, I meant even Tick. I mean, I was not happy about that ending necessarily, but I understood it because they pretty much said from the beginning, Tick is going to die. Like, there's nothing yeah, you're going to do mean, about it. He's going to die. So and 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 I mean, he he when I think at the very end when he finally got to at least say goodbye, you know, when he got to say I love you, if only from a distance. That he had this sense that, you know, a part of him would still be living on. He knows that for a fact. So his his sacrifice allows for that future to happen. So I, even though it's it's sad that he dies, and he certainly didn't want to, I think that the fact that he knows that it's not for nothing, that he's going to be, he's, a part of him is living on into the future and making a better future, Um I think that's that's really important and and really, you know, makes what happens to his character feel satisfying, at least to me. I think, I mean, as tragic as it was, it's it's it was a perfect ending for him. And I, I want to pick up. On, I agree with everything that Allison said. It really was strange that it was a hopeful ending, even though basically the, they killed the male lead. But a they didn't cheat. Because we knew it was supposed to happen. Right. We knew it was for the greater, like Allison said, for the greater good and for the continuation of his bloodline so his son could write the book. Right. And it was really, I, I want to kind of watch, watch the whole series again to see how it coheres when you watch it all at it's once instead of, yeah. instead of separately. But I did like the way a lot of the plot threads did come back in together that we did find out that Christina was, in fact, a bad girl. And... <laughs> As we suspected. The and... only and... thing I'm going to ask you guys, because you guys seem to understand this actually better than me, maybe, and maybe you'll explain it to me, but when Letty falls from the tower and she dies, uh, how is she back alive five minutes later? Because even though Christina thought she removed the protection spell, she didn't. Well, what do you mean? Either that, because it glowed again when she resurrected, right. the, the the Martin glowed again. I'm wondering because Letty had the master book of spells, if she managed to put it back herself. That's what I would like. They never answered that question. Like I felt like that but, went unanswered because I was confused well, by that. It, it, it didn't bother me though because we saw we saw the mark for the spell glow, saying that it was still active somehow. Well, the, my my take on it, I mean, and, and it, was, it was based on the little flashbacks that we got to see as she was falling and as she was lying there, um, is and and also what we know from you know how the the spell to change bodies has been explained to us when she says that she killed um, Ruby. Ruby, thank you. When she says that she kills Ruby, we know that can't be true because she has to keep her at least in a comatose state in order to to be her in her form, like her, right? right. To 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 um, masquerade as her. So she can't be dead. You know, she said that to her to hurt her, but she can't. It, it can't be real because, and in fact, we see her in a little flashback, kind of nicely putting a little blanket over her as she's you know lying on a on a table so we know that she's alive now it's a possibility she's brain dead but what i think actually happened is that she came out of her coma and she re she reinstituted the spell from a distance because that's how, what how would, but how would ruby do that ruby doesn't know how to do that 
she's uh, you know she's been hanging around she knows a certain amount of magic because she's been hanging around christina and she may know that much more the thing is they what i remember and, and what i went back to watch because it did look confusing to i was me very too. i still was confused i still don't know if that that worked for me but they they literally show Ruby like standing up and kind of waving her arms and like the next the next sequence is you see the 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 uh, image of the tattoo appear once again on Letty. So and, and remember, Ruby told Christina at least once, you know, I don't care about Tick, but don't hurt my sister. Yes, that I remember. Yeah, and she so promised think... that she wouldn't, and then she broke her promise. But I never believed Christina anyway. I don't know. Crazy people thinking that Christina is a good person. You guys are crazy, but um, and I like. Uh, um, is it D the daughter? Yes, I liked when she confronted her mom. Yeah, that was good. But I also don't that understand. Was it was good, but that I also intense. don't understand D at the very end wanting like the amount of visceral like hatred she had for Christina didn't quite make sense to me. She's never met Christina, so oh, but she's. She's a great focus for everything bad that's happened to them, especially at the hand of... She's like a white scapegoat. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I just you, felt like... I was like, you don't even know this woman. Why? And why are they having the child kill this... Like, I just felt like of all the people that would feel like... That I would feel satisfied killing Christina, D is not even on my list. You know? So I just thought that was weird. Huh. The, the thing is, for me, I thought it tied up a couple of things. First of all, we don't know how, you know, I mean, she looks like a child, but we don't know how long she's been away. Her mother promised her that she would take her to all these different worlds that she's been. And we know her mother is centuries old, even though she looks exactly the same as she did. I didn't get the impression. She, she Yeah, but I got the impression they were about to go on adventures. When they took her to that room, it was just to replace her arm. She was like, here, I got this for you. So she's replacing her arm. I did not get the feeling that they had time for them to go on adventures. Like, I really felt like that is what we are going to do, not what we've well, already what... done. I, my feelings are she could have gone, she, she could be like millennia old and still come back to the same time period. I, I, I did not get that feeling that that's what happened at all. I, I only felt like she went, got the robotic arm, and they were like, this monster here is going to protect you, and that's it. I did not, they were talking about going on adventures. I didn't feel like they had gone yet. See, I, that, I got the impression that they did, and that she, this is a much older version of her, even though she looks the same. Who's yeah, come back to that? I did not understand that that way at all. So anyway, I mean, overall, I'd say I really, really, I mean, I'm definitely recommending this to people. I think overall I really liked it. But I did have holes in the plot where I was like, oh, what does this mean? Um, but th there's no way that I'd be like, you guys should not even bother. What? Like, no, I'm not saying that. This is, This was good. This is a good show. And I really am curious to see what they do for season two. Like, mm -hmm. I really want to see what, what happens, what kind of story they're going to tell. I, I want it to be in this world. It doesn't have to be at this time. I'd like to time jump to a different time. But I want it to be in this setup or universe. So. Kind of like, like what Fargo does. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm Not curious. necessarily this season of Fargo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> without, without sucking. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. I'd say thumbs up. Uh, so if you haven't watched Lovecraft Country, you guys are crazy. Go ahead and do that. Uh, next up, let's talk about Emily in Paris, and we're going to talk about episodes seven and eight. 
And Tom, you just told me what they were about, and I forgot already. Episode, Episode seven, 7 was... When she has to escort the, the starlet. Oh, right. The, the spoiled the Brad American star. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, that I thought that episode was just kind of eh. Yeah, that was not the greatest. Um, very, that actually broke my cool. um, my 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 binge. I was binging Emily, and then I got to that episode and I stopped. Um, so I'd say it's, it was it was probably the weakest one of of the group, uh, mainly because watching it was weird because it's like the American Starlet was like a bad version of Emily, like. The, the the bad American that's in France doing crazy stuff, being wild, and Emily is trying to, like, do her job and be conservative, but then she wants to be cool, and it's just, it was, it didn't have any substance to it, like I feel like some of the other episodes have done, so, yeah. it was not the strongest. Let's skip to eight, which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. laughed so hard. Okay, <laughs> let's skip to eight, which is her... Her resolve, I'm never going to be around the chef, my next-door neighbor, ever again because we can't have a, a platonic relationship, so I'm going to avoid him like the plague, which lasts for about a week. And then she's <laughs> invited uh, to go on a trip with her friend. It's not her best friend. Whatever, it's the girlfriend of the guy she doesn't want to sleep with. She's like, oh, we'll be out of town, be away from him, it'll be great. Oh, no, the guy's... The guy that she does want to sleep with. Well, that doesn't... Do- I'm trying to say she's trying not to. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and, and they I'm all perfect. end up stuck in a car together, her riding on his lap, which is super awkward <laughs> in any situation. That was awkward any way you look at it. And then she's like, well, I'm just going to move on with my friend's brother. It'll be great. And there's no way in the world that guy's 17. I'm sorry. That actor is not The 17. actor, No. No. That that there's I absolutely understand why she misunderstood that conversation because it was obviously her brother because they talk was like oh you met my sister blah 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 and then they have that awkward after thing where it's like oh he's seventeen and I was like no he's not I, <laughs> I feel like they could have cast him a little more on the could've, line could have been, been an early bloomer no. Those shoulders, there's no way. That guy was not 17. Unless we're talking CW 17. (laughs) I just just thought that the whole, the way they played it was hysterical. Oh, it was, absolutely. Like, the the, the morning after was fantastic because you realize there were little clues, like little minute clues that gave her an indication that he wasn't as old as she thought. Well, anyone acquainted with the European school system would have known when he said college. I did. I didn't. I didn't get it either. (laughs) Like that would have. I know that it's called university, so I knew that, but I didn't know high school was called college. I didn't know that. Um, The UK as well. Um, And 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 the thing with her, the the thing with her, uh, with her friend. Her um, her Asian friend having the party. I thought that was a really clever way to keep the two plots kind Connected. of aligned. Yeah. By, by the, the streaming and whatnot. I mean, the way they played that was pretty on autopilot. I mean, everything about that B plot was on autopilot, but you didn't mind because it was well executed. Yeah, because I liked how the two yeah the two stories ended up connecting. That was pretty good. I found out that um oh the the non boyfriend the neighbor guy the neighbor chef dude yeah. 
his dad's like this big time soccer guy in France. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. This, the, uh, the, the kid on the show is like Lucas Bravo, whose dad's Daniel Bravo, but he's a huge soccer player in France. Well, obviously he married a model because his son is pretty, so. Yes. Well, dad's, I mean, dad I looks like a, a, non, uh, a non-gruff version of Sean Bean. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. Like, what's non-gruff Sean Bean? I mean, Sean Bean looks like he's been around the world a few times. Oh, and wow. He's appeared in. <laughs> That's actually really funny because I just, slightly off topic, I just watched the New York Comic Con panel for Snowpiercer Season 2, and he was on the panel. And I swear to God, it looked like he woke up, rolled out of bed, threw on a T-shirt, and did the panel. His hair... He probably and, did. Yeah, he his hair did. looks crazy... He just, I was like, just because we're we're living in COVID and and you're doing Zoom, like, put a cone through your hair, guy. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. And I thought the uh, oh, go ahead. The, the thing with the with the mom confronting Emily, and basically Emily thinks like, uh oh, mom's gonna be mad, and she's like, is my son a good lover? <laughs> yes, that was awkward. Like. She was like, well, how much detail do you want? And I was like, no, 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 no. We are not having this conversation. That was crazy. Um, but, yeah, I'd say second the, the first episode was a wash. If you could skip it, yeah. you should. But episode yeah. eight was fun. That was a fun episode. Yeah. All right. Laugh out loud funny. Yes. Uh, so next up, we're going to talk about Transplant. And I forgot the name of this one. But this episode was, in the last episode, we found out that, uh, dude, what's the main dude's name? I just blinked on his Bash. name. Bash. Bash, thank you. Uh, he, him and his sister got kicked out of their apartment. And I was like, how is he a doctor and being kicked out of his apartment at this point? Because he's been working at the hospital, like, legit for, it feels like, at least a month or two. He gave all that money to his friend. Oh, that was dumb on his part. <laughs> didn't they also say that there was an issue with him getting even like his first check or something like well, that? Well, no, they yeah, so... they told him his first check was instead of it being like in a week or two, it was going to be a month for him to get his first check. And so yeah. he took everything out of his savings and gave it to his best friend. But he, I feel like he's been at the hospital for a while and he should have been paid at least once by now. And well, he, but he took a, he took a payday loan and they charge. Oh, that's interest. true. So when his account got debited for the rent, he was overdrawn by 50. I mean, right. it's, uh, you feel for the dude because right. he's too nice. It's like he should have told his friend, I'll give you some money, but I'm going to pay my rent first. Yeah, you got to pay your rent, man. Uh, so then he was too proud to ask for help. I was like, okay, look, if it was just you then you can hide out and sleep in the locker room, whatever. But if you've got your little sister you got to take care of, you can't be doing stuff like that. So yeah. I, I, the fact that he was trying to be too proud to ask for help was ridiculous. Uh, I did like I, – I so think you're right about the blonde doctor. She's into him. Say what? She's into him. Yeah, I still kind of would prefer him with the Asian doctor, but, you know. They're very – I like – at first I liked them, but they're both way too casual. Like – First of all, they've already slept with each other, and there's obviously no emotional link happening between them. So I was like, eh. 
And and you gotta have when you're on a show like this, you gotta have the long, a little bit of a long drawn out. Will they or won't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There has to be the tensions, and there's no tension between them anymore because they've, yeah, they've already, already done been it. there. So, yeah, and it yeah, doesn't seem that. like they're that interested in doing it again, really. So, no, it's Do- it, they're they're just friends. Yeah, <laughs> with benefits at yeah. least. Yes. Do we care about Theo's marital problems? It's not really marital. I don't know if it's marital problems more as goals. Like she's like, I'm never leaving home. (laughs) There's marital problems because in previous episodes she was sniping at him that you know the girls get confused when you're only home for a short while. Her whole yeah, her whole thing is she wants him to come home. Yeah, but I think they have to have a real like she's set in her mind that he's going to come work for the family business, and you can tell he does not want to do that. So that is going to end up being a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. because he's just gonna, like, he's setting himself up to be miserable for the rest of his life. Like, dude, just, you gotta figure, and she doesn't seem like she's movable or even willing to negotiate. So she seems a little, she seems a little spoiled daddy's girl. Yes. Yes. Well, but you know, I mean, if it was just her, I could understand that, but also it's, she wants her kids to be able to grow up in, in this nice neighborhood in a big house where the schools are really good. And, you know, I can understand her from her perspective, not wanting to move to the city where she doesn't know, you know, what the situation is or what they're, where they're going to live. Um, she didn't even seem like she cut him off before he could even talk about it. That's the only thing. Like I get what you're saying, but it wasn't a discussion where they talked about these things. It was very much hard line. You're doing this or else. Oh no. She said, if I remember the line correctly, she said, what did he say when you said no? Right. Right. She was, I I mean, figure how long they've been married. They've had these discussions already. You know, they've probably had years of these discussions already. So, from you know, from that perspective, I I would understand where she would think, you know, well, why, you know, what did he say when you said no? Because they've talked about this. They've they've literally planned but their I, lives I, in a certain way, right? But I felt like she's driving the planning, and he has not had much input in said planning. Like the way he comes at it, it feels like you're right. They might have had this discussion five or six times, but it's always yes, dear, and he just does what she <laughs> says. But anyway. Um, overall, I like the story. I'm not sure I care that much about him or his wife. I mean, I like him, <laughs> but not sure I like the wife. All right, let's move on. Oh, so thumbs up for transplant. Uh, of the, um, uh, the, the, the Chinese guy with cancer. Oh, that's oh, yeah. They find his biological daughter and she thinks that he might have learned, you know, basically just gotten in touch with her only for stem cells. And it turns out he wanted to tell... He wanted to meet her and tell, share the family story. That was she, really moving. That was that was heart wrenching. Yeah, that was really moving. I was like, "Nark!" She's like, "Someone narked on you when you were seven months old," and I was like, "No!" Though to be fair, Never. I know. To be fair, though, hiding a child for a long period—that's like impossible. You that, really can't do it. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, you really can't do well, it. Well, you but... know, the, because of the because of the the one child policy, there were a lot of people who were in that position. Oh, I know. Uh, so most of them, you know, tended to be further out in the rural areas where they could actually get away with it. But, um, yeah, there was there were a lot of stories about those exact kinds of things happening. Yeah, so that's why it was just it was it was really good. That was a good story. I think the reason I really am digging this show is aside from showing us the Canadian medical system, 
we also get a little bit more of an international flair of what's yeah. going on. Stuff that American stories aren't doing. Yeah, I agree. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Blackish. It's been back for two or three weeks, but this is the first time we're talking about well, it because I. Technically... They did an election special, but this was technically the season premiere. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, I think the election episodes were actually good. I think this episode was a little too on the nose for me. <laughs> it was too much. It was very much. Everybody's living in COVID. This is our lot. This is our lives. I was like, yeah, I know. Like, there was. It was very. I thought the election special was educational, and interesting, mm-hmm. and I felt this was just preachy. Which is interesting because there's such a fine line. I mean, there's a great line in Spinal Tap. There's a fine line between clever and stupid. There's a fine line between clever and overly preachy or right. overly didactic. And they crossed it with this episode. It's yes. like, I like the characters. I like the show. But man, it's yeah, it like... was too much. I was like, yes, I know that you're supposed to wear a mask. We've been hearing that for months. Thank you. You know, it's like it was like a weird PSA about stuff we've been hearing about forever. And it wasn't interesting. Um, the only thing that was slightly moving was when the mom goes off on Junior. Like that was a moving scene. But other than that, I was uh, no. So. I'm trying to think if I really believe that Junior would lie to his mom like that because yeah. they have a solid relationship. Well, except that him. except that he's like an 18 year old boy and trying to sleep with his girlfriend. That is he's extenuation, sir. Huh? He's not 18 anymore. He's 19. He's only what 19. He's only a year or two younger than Zoe, remember? Zoe made because... stupid decisions in college. I'm just saying, guys trying to sleep with girls make stupid decisions. That's all I'm trying to say, and I feel like that's a true statement. And it leads them to do all kinds of stuff they wouldn't normally do. Boy, Jack had a huge growth spurt this summer. <laughs> oh, I didn't see He was always sitting at the table. I didn't see him standing up. Yeah. Um, the um, I want to talk a little bit about their lead-ins. The uh, the season premiere of The Connors, formerly known as Roseanne. <laughs> it's Roseanne without Roseanne. But uh, Katie Seagal was a good trade. He, she plays Dan's new girlfriend. But again, it's a COVID-driven storyline. And man, we're, we've been living this, this thing for, what, eight months now? It's mm-hmm. like, I don't watch sitcoms to be reminded how sucky our real lives are right now. <laughs> it's not funny. Got, yeah. A, a friend, sir, a friend, pl- stunt cast and played by the dude from Machete. I'm blanking on it. Danny Trejo serves them an eviction notice for their house because he's behind on the house payment, and so he's going to have to start charging the kids rent. Except for the kids don't have jobs that are paying right now. So it's like, oh, dude, I just. So, on the positive side, the Goldbergs had a two-hour season premiere. The first part was an homage to Airplane, which was fun. <laughs> And the second part was uh, the main kid, Adam, basically just gets contact lenses and a good hairdo. So now he's kind of good looking and he, be- he-, he becomes one of the cool kids at, at school. And the-, the other cool kids embrace him and all his nerdy friends are left out. So he tries to bridge a truce between the two and it doesn't go well. So it's fun. I mean, it, it- it's, you know, it's a well-executed machine. I'm surprised to show that in its eighth season still feels kind of fresh. I mean, it's it's very sitcommy, but the fact that it's set in the '80s 
and we don't have to deal with COVID stuff. Although it's funny to see them on the airplane and all the things you can't do now because of you know post nine eleven. <laughs> but yeah, give it a try. Yeah, I'm not watching the Goldbergs or the Connors. Not my shows. Yeah, other people maybe, just not me. Uh, let's I'm move on. Son, Son likes the Goldbergs. Yes, Yusin will watch it with you. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery, and this was episode two. And uh, at the end of last week's episode, it was more like, where the heck is the crew? Where's the ship? What's going on? How long is, is Michael going to have to wait to find the crew? Because they're obviously behind her. What's cool about this episode is now we flip. And it was I have to say the previously was very useful because I forgot some of the stuff that happened last yeah, season. Why did they have to go to the future again? And I, well, not just that. I forgot that uh, oh God, the engineer Stamets. I forgot that he was in. No, Stamets. I forgot Stamets was in a coma. I was like, what? I didn't remember any of that stuff. So it was good. The previously was very useful. Uh, but it, it's it was yeah, good especially to... for me because I'm I did not watch season two at all so I'm, <laughs> I'm like half the time I'm going who are these people wait what happened here and so yeah, yeah that helped so a lot. The, so the previous season was great and it was cool to watch the crew work together and what was crazy is uh, Michelle Yeoh's obviously everyone knows who she is at this point Empress Georgiou yes Georgiou <laughs> everybody knows who she is and. But she strangely has Starfleet rank, so people are like not sure if they should be following her orders. And uh, it was it was interesting to see her just try to order people around. And um, I like that. Oh my goodness, what is his name? The, the acting commander, uh, Naru. Naru. Oh, Saru. Uh, so I liked how he stood up for himself because back in season one, he would have folded. He would have folded to her. And I like that that he has gotten his backbone and all of that. So he was, and he was really serious about following Starfleet regulations and all that stuff. So all of that stuff was really good. Uh, the villain of the week was meh. He's all right, but I mean, he was only supposed to be the villain of the week, so I guess that's okay. It's it was an homage to a western. I mean, yeah, oh, he even had door. he even had spurs on the on his shoes. They had spurs. It was a, you, you got a you got a saloon fight. <laughs> yeah, they had the little flippy saloon doors that they walked into. Right, right. Know. Did yeah. you see how high Michelle Yeoh can kick? Holy crap! <laughs> oh yeah, she was knocking people out. Like only thing uh, that that was weird about that fight is I didn't understand why she allowed them to shoot her at all. Like she could have taken those guys out before anybody started firing. I think she wanted to lull them into a false sense of complacency, so she so she could lay a beat down on them. <laughs> but she didn't know that gun could have been set on kill. She she took that. I mean, she took the shot because she knew she could take the pain. But how did she know that that wasn't going to be set on something she couldn't take? That was the only thing that was weird. I was like, why'd you do that? But I mean, the fight itself was great. Like that was a really cool fight. Yeah. Georgie is a baller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think, Allison? Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I missed season two because I was just so over it after season one. And they seem to have fixed a lot of the things that, that were annoying me in, in the first season. Um, and I, I really am appreciating what they're doing with this. Certainly it looks gorgeous. They're, they're clearly shooting in, in uh, Iceland. Yep. And the vistas are amazing. Yeah, they I are. mean, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, you know, 
regretting them leaving this planet because it's just <laughs> But I also really like the character interactions. They've developed the the rest of the cast much more, it seems. Um, yep. I don't know who the one with the bad back is. She wasn't in season oh, one. Oh, yeah, she's uh, she's, she's technically awesome. she's is she technically because Stamets is not the chief engineer. Is she technically the chief engineer? Well, she is an engineer that they picked up along the way. Right, but yeah, I don't... Her, her name is what again? I'm sorry, I forgot. She's a comedian. The, the actress is a comedian. Oh. Yeah. And I like her chemistry with Stamets. Like the fact that they don't get along so well is really pretty funny. I love that. I just I loved her. I I love everything about her. Her her whole attitude is just fantastic. It's like she immediately became my new favorite character on the show. <laughs> um, it's like I don't know who you are, but I completely love you. Please let's have more of you. Yes, um, she's she's a regular. So yeah. She's a regular now. Jet Jet yeah. Reno is her character's name. Oh, okay. So, the, I mean, the only thing that I didn't like about that scene was was the nonsense about him getting into the Jeffries too, because he's not going to do that. That was just manufactured drama. Um, that all they had to do was ask another crewman to go up there, and they yeah. could have fixed it in five minutes. But then, you know, we're not hanging on to the the edge of our seat waiting to see it. Right. It, it was ridiculous um, for him to have that injury to go up there. Yeah. Get Colbert to yeah. say, "I can't wait till you get out of there." Then so I can, I can kill, kill you. you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but, but other than that, I just I really really enjoyed this episode, and I've been enjoying the last two episodes. So I guess I'm back in. I, I really I, and I love the re, the faux reunion because we didn't actually get our full hug reunion. But she, uh, I mean, I knew who it was going to be, but I was yeah. pretty sure who it was going to be. But I was really happy to see Michael come in and save the day. I was like, yay! So that was good. I, I thought it was interesting that. It looks like we might get an episode without most of the crew again to find out what she did in that year. Oh, yeah. It looks like we're having flashbacks. I did see that. Um, yeah. There's an ep- the, season two isn't perfect, but the um, um, Anson Mount as Pike is a revelation. That's true. I, well, Anson, I love Anson Mount. He's really good oh. as Pike. He, and he has, a, he has a couple episodes that are just about him. So you yeah, might want to check those out. Was, they, they do a direct sequel to The Cage. Oh and, yeah, that that episode was really yeah. good. And yeah. the previously on, they do clips from the cage, and then they do a match dissolve from Jeffrey Hunter to Anson Mount. And it's oh, it's thanks. incredible because you're like, physical, oh my so I'm, god! I'm, I'm curious though, isn't isn't all of that supposed to be happening before the cage? No, you know, this is this is after the cage. Yeah, because remember Cause the after flash... the cage, he's like he's no, like no, not a, no, that yeah. doesn't happen. That, that happens, happens later. Yeah. The cage, the whole reason that we saw the cage was that Spock was like, we need to take him to this planet because on this planet, they can make him be like a regular person because right. of what happened originally. But the cage happened way earlier. The cage well, happened. The, the, the cage qua the cage was the, the original pilot and then they recast. No, but I'm saying, I know, but I'm saying that the events that happened. I guess, that, okay, the menagerie is what I'm thinking of yeah, is where, yeah. yeah. They they put him on trial and you know for trying right. to help Mike and all of that and that's when we see all the flashbacks. Right, but, but the actual uh, flashbacks of him in the cage have already happened. When oh, we okay. yeah, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool when they do the the continuation of it. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good episode. <laughs> and George and George, you Mira George, you has a great thing about those stupid singing plants. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's let's move on. We got to keep mo- we keep got to keep going. So thumbs up for Discovery. Uh, next up, we're gonna... <laughs> next up, we're gonna talk about the Good Lord Bird, and this episode was a fail. 
This was like the last up, the first episode. I was kind of like, all right, I'm in. And then the second one, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then the third one, I was like, what the? It's basically uh, about Frederick Douglass, and it is every caricature possible that anyone could ever think about. It was to the point where it was in the middle of the episode, and I was on like wikipedia and online to be like is any of this true and the answer to that question is no not really yeah and it was basically it was rumors and suppositions there was a woman because they basically make frederick Douglass look like he's living with his house and his wife and his mistress at his house and i was like he's basically a victorian hugh hefner in in this episode and i was kind of like yeah it's like what the heck and i looked it up and basically it's all based on rumor it was a, a German woman came to translate one of his books and he allowed her to stay at his house while she did the translating. And so everybody was like, oh, they must be sleeping together. And I was like, how did you guys come to that conclusion? Because he's a black dude. Because it's a really great way for racist Victorian people to try to discredit him. That's And discredit the writer, too. Like, and all her. of that stuff. Yeah. And so for them to take that rumor those rumors and put it in the story like it was just real it was just like what like if you're supposed to be doing an episode on frederick Douglass, do an episode on frederick frederick Douglass. i don't care about you know what's going on in his love life like what are you guys doing so yeah that was that was very and then they just had him get drunk with a a person that he thought was like a 14 year old girl and looked like something was going to happen between the two of them and i was like Oh my God! What do you guys like? No, so this was a definitely thumbs down for me for this episode. Yeah, yeah. it was for me too, and it was it was it was actually it was a crushing disappointment because I was so looking forward to seeing this because of you know Davy Diggs, and it's like yes yes let's get to the episode with Davy Diggs as Frederick Douglass. Oh, this is going to be good, and I was just staring at it like this slow motion train wreck through the entire episode. It was it was painful to watch. And I just kept wondering, didn't somebody at some point just, you know, turn turn to to the producers of the, the writers of this episode and say, look, we can't do this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> correct this somehow, please. Um, and, and nobody did. They just went for it. I, I don't know. And the all the bad traits was. that I didn't like about john brown they brought those all back like everything that i was talking about about him being off the, you know just being nuts they like tightened it and it didn't make any sense i was like what is going on it's like two opposing like the difference is last week's episodes was inspirational heartbreaking and emotional like it pulled at every every string like it was really well done drama and this was the opposite so yeah, I, I definitely I thumbs down for me for this week, that episode. Yeah, and that's all that's, I have to I, say. I, yeah. I, I just feel so disappointed in it because I really was enjoying this show. And then they did this and it, it's just, I, I, I'm still watching it. I'm hoping maybe this was just a really bad one-off and they correct it by the next episode and keep getting better. But I mean, you know, if they keep going in this vein, then I guess I'm I'm eventually going to tune out too because I was actually I found myself embarrassed for the actors watching this episode. Yeah, I can see that. All right, uh, next up we're going to talk about Queen's Gambit. And when I say we, it's going to be Tom, 
I was supposed to watch it, but I actually forgot the name of the show, so I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, wh- what did you think? And tell me why I should be watching it. It's uh, Scott Frank, who wrote Out of Sight, or who adapted Out of Sight from the uh, Elmore Leonard novel, and also re- more recently created Godless for Netflix, which was a limited series, Western limited series with a, with a female-centric cast, has created this chess uh, limited series about a young female prodigy in the, I guess, late mid to late 50s. And uh, Anya Taylor-Joy plays the adult version, but episode one is all about her, her awful childhood. Basically, she's orphaned because of a car crash and ends up in this orphanage. And it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's not Oliver Twist awful, but it's just awful enough that she seeks refuge playing chess with the custodian in the basement and gets pretty good at it. So um, that's the focus of episode one. And she also, they drug the girls, which is not good. They give them tranquilizers. And then when they stop, <laughs> she um, basically has either become physically or psychologically addicted to them, and they help her visualize chess moves. So um, that has some ramifications that I don't want to spoil. But when we pick up in episode two, they have just a little bit of the young version, and then they do a big time cut to the teen version, and then she gets adopted by a couple where you think that something's got to be wrong, something's got to be wrong, and sure enough, the the mother has some... uh, some uh, seems to have some kind of either depression or something, but she also has tranquilizers, which the adopted daughter discovers she can skim from her mom's prescription, and the dad ends up leaving. But she eventually uh, finds her way into some chess to a to the state championship chess tournament and wins. And uh, the mom the, the the mom realizes, hey, you can make good money doing this. So she's going to become like a chess stage mother as we prepare for episode three. Um, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's um, its not revolutionary, but it's just solid storytelling and solid acting. And there is a scene, one of the other girls from the orphanage is uh, African-American. And there's a scene when she gets adopted, the younger versions of them. And there's, a, there's just this one scene where she, before she leaves, she apologizes to her friend for not being adopted, and the friend, you know, puts up a brave front and says, "Oh, that's where I do okay here," and just and then she lays down and then turns to her side, and just in this one little scenelet, just the craft and the acting and the directing is so perfect. They don't have to say a lot where we realize she's totally lying and she's not doing great there. No, of course not. Yeah, it seems like she's got the run, but I just like you know. Even though Netflix is over-leveraged out the yin-yang, their development people rock. And, and they rock in multiple countries because, you know, I have yet to see anything from another country on Netflix that is not interesting, engaging, and well-cast, even though I've discovered that the French and the Spanish and the Mexicans especially, and the Germans, love to cast beautiful-looking people. <laughs> But no, it's it's really well done. I can't done. complain about that actually. <laughs> it's really well done. I'm looking forward to see to see where the story goes. But they've got me. 
All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Fear the Walking Dead. And this is episode two of Fear. And I, I really, I'm really liking this season. I was afraid that by splitting everybody up, it was not going to feel like the same universe. I was just going to be irritated. Everybody was separate. And I am a little irritated that everybody's separate. But because of that, we really get to delve into these characters. And Strand is a good follow-up for an all-Morgan uh, episode. Because Strand is definitely the second strongest character that the show has. So having the second episode... like. I'll be a little more concerned on the third episode when we get to some of the weaker characters, but uh, having the second episode all about Strand and him and um, Alicia being prisoners and trying to, and, you know, getting punished and sent to to take out all the walkers in some weird factory that's got molasses on the floor, so it makes the walkers super sticky. Like, I was like, oh, order of magnitude, level of difficulty. All right, let's see where this is going. But, yeah, I thought it really worked because, I mean, Strand was basically struggling between being the person he had evolved into being with the group, which is a much better person, versus his original nature, which was very much about looking out for himself and doing whatever was necessary. And so he was struggling between those two versions of himself in this episode. And I, I thought that uh, I really appreciated how the storyline went. Allison, your thoughts? Um, I, I, I really like this episode too. And I think you're, you're right as far as centering on Strand and Alicia really, because I think the two of them together are a, a really fantastic team. Yep. They play off each other incredibly well. And, and, you know, she has evolved so much in the course of the series. In the beginning, I couldn't stand her character. And she was, you know, the typical weak, whiny de teenager. She was clueless a lot of the time. And she is the antithesis of of that now you know she's like one of the most formidable people to go after uh, a walker and take care of herself and so i really really appreciate you know that as far as her character is concerned um uh, the other thing that i really loved about this episode was when they brought back daniel yeah, um, so yeah. I, I was wondering what was going on with his character and that was you know at first it was tragic because it really it really looked like you know i mean you you were asking yourself is, is, is he faking is it? really permanent? Is right. faking it? Is it? And, and you know, the thing that sold it for me initially was his interactions with Charlie. Because I could see him, you know, doing that with Strand because he, he hates no Strand. lost between the yeah. two of them anyway. Um, but Charlie, you know, is someone who he had like a, almost a father-daughter relationship going. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he would lie to her and that he would let her go on thinking that he was permanently brain damaged and couldn't remember her and didn't know what was going on. I think in his mind, he's doing that to protect her. But, um, you know, the, the pain that you could see that that caused uh, was huge and that sold it to me that that he was not faking until of course you know we see him outside <laughs> and and catching a look at Morgan um, and and then it was like it's like yes he's still there <laughs> uh, so that that whole encounter was fantastic he is that the ultimate cool. spy ultimate spy yes. yeah he is. Uh, and, uh, and and that's the thing is. I think that, the, I forgot the villain, her name is Georgian, I forgot what her name is, but the villain this season... One who's also in The Boys. Yes. I, I really, it's almost like, 
as much as I like my my group from uh, the original Walking Dead, like they are hardcore, and really their version of the spy would be Carol. Um, Daniel is a much better spy. <laughs> so, uh, so having this group, I was like, you do not know who you are messing with. Like, I really like that. So I'm really looking forward. Uh, to seeing where this is going and seeing when they ultimately do their team up because that's going to be bad for her. She just, she will not know what hit her. And she, I like that she's genuinely scared of uh, Morgan as she should be, you know, um, trying oh, yeah. to envelop this group. They're obviously really, and because they did all those videos, everybody knows them. So they have celebrity behind them as well. And so they have a way to inspire so many other people. Um, and I don't think she really took that into account. So, yeah, that's that's going to be to her detriment. All right, Definitely. So. I do like your analogy with, with Carol, though, because the two of them, the part of the power that they have is in making people underestimate them and, mm -hmm. and pretending to be something that something harmless that they're right. emphatically not. Um, so yeah, I like that because I hadn't thought about that, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about La Revolution. We're going to talk about the first two episodes. Oui. And, uh, if you don't speak French, that's okay. There's subtitles. It is yeah. in French. I caution you that, but Hey, we talked about dark, which was in German and French is easier to listen to. Um, <laughs> It's just a true statement. Less harsh. <laughs> but the La Revolution, the concept is that uh, it's an alternate reality of the French Revolution. And in the original French Revolution, it was because the, the monarchy and all the, the elites were really just pushing down on the peasants. And they finally had enough and revolted. In this scenario, is something similar happening, except the, the really rich have this... This formula or whatever where that allows them to become immortals but the side effect of becoming immortals is that they now need to eat people and so they've decided to eat peasants so it's like let them eat cake let us eat the people i don't know but it's gonna end up it's basically in the same place where the peasants are now ready to start to rise up against them but they're gonna but the instead of you know being easy to go up against the rich these guys are now immortals are super strong fast so that's going to make the fight at least interesting. How much have you watched of it, Libya? We're only talk I've only seen the first two, so that's the only two we're going to talk about. Well, that's all I've seen, too. I thought it was interesting that they are literally blue bloods. Yes. <laughs> yes. Waka waka. <laughs> so is Marie supposed to be Marie Antoinette? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Okay, I was just wondering because I didn't look it up, but I wondered... Yeah. No, Marie Antoinette was actually not even French. She was Austrian and, you know, came... And, and also very uh, not a connect. Our our lead woman, who's an aristocrat, really cares about the people, and she, she's, she seems like a good person, so... Yeah, and not married to uh, to the king, so... No, also and the, the, You know, if, if I have a problem with the show at all, it's, and I, I realize that you guys, I've seen the whole thing, and, and you guys are still on episode two, and I don't want to give away spoilers, but the only thing that I find disappointing, and it's not much, because I, I loved this series, uh, is that I wish they'd made greater use of actual historical people. We, we are introduced to Guillotine, 
And, yes. you know, as, as soon as you hear that, it's like, oh. you, know, and then, and you know where this is going. And you go, <laughs> so that was the reason for it. Okay. Now, um, question, uh, question is, is he supposed to be the guy? He's the, supposed to be the guy. Yes. Supposed, okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I got to say, this looks and sounds amazing in my home theater. Yes. Just, it's gorgeous. Yes. It's a gorgeous The sound show. mixer did his or her job amazingly well, and it's beautifully shot. Yes. And it's, ridiculous it's story. Because... It looks like a movie. It's beautifully yeah. done. Yeah. Beautifully done. And I, 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 sh- I should also say, because you were talking about the subtitles, please watch it with the subtitles. I understand that there is an English dub version. I have not heard it, but I understand it's terrible. So please, you know, get this. If you're going to watch this, definitely stick with the subtitles. Um, you get the tremendous performances from the French actors. Um, They're and, very and good. Yeah. You don't want to lose any part of that because they really are amazing. The lo- the one who plays the, the little girl. Oh yeah. yeah. Is oh, the one who's the, the one the deaf. Yeah. The deaf yes. girl. She's fantastic. Fantastic. She's amazing. What's funny is when they show, when they talk about Albert Guillotin and his early demise in, in, the, in, in episode one, I'm thinking, okay, this dude is too looking to cast and then kill. And yeah. Sure enough. <laughs> He's too pretty to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was all of that. Was, like and I, younger, he looks just enough like his younger, not as hot doctor brother. Yeah, <laughs> but I was also gonna say that fight that they have when you see his return and he he like takes out what like that ten dudes. That was a really well choreographed fight. I was like, whoa, who is this guy? Yeah, that was that was nice. Like especially yeah, all of. Wow. I was especially saying with flintlocks, like having that kind of. This was not John Wick, you know. Nope. But, you know, but they had just, you got one shot out of your flintlock, so use it well. Um, that was pretty good. That was a really well done fight. Yeah, I, I, I really, <laughs> I just, I think, you know, all of it is, is incredibly good. I, I can't, you know, say enough about performers, too. Uh, the one who plays, um, oh, God, what is the character's name? Uh, Donishim. Um I think even even by episode two, he's still you know just the the crippled son of of the. Uh, oh no, he gets cu- he gets cured he at the very end. Up and his leg goes oh my up. god! Oh. I literally I was I was like freaking out. You know, normally when you watch gross. actors portraying pain, it's like yeah okay well, but he was doing that, and I was like I was I was cringing. It was so real. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's like, oh man, that was, that was horrible. That was so uh-huh. bad. He just, at was, the end of the episode, he gets his, his father kills him and then gives him the okay, blood. Okay, it's the end of the episode too. Yeah. So and, yeah. And he just, he navigates where this character goes psychologically so brilliantly well. Um, I don't remember seeing this, this actor in anything else before I'm, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him in other things from now on because he's so good. Uh, and really, they, they all are. It's an incredible cast. All right. So we're I think we're all saying thumbs up. Guys, oh, yes. Yeah. And especially let... people, please watch it because right right now, it, it, like, it ends in a certain place and they are not guaranteed a season two and it really needs a season two. So watch it. <laughs> please watch it. Let Netflix see those numbers, baby. All right. Yeah. 
that's all we have for this week. If you guys have any questions or comments, some TV campfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, We Not Bliss, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.